Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of Black Brew. I'm Aaron. And I'm Joshua. And we're your co-hosts. So we're going to be continuing with this kind of format of our podcast with no set designated topics because our country is still in a state of horror. So we're just going to naturally talk about the events most of them political that have been unfolding inside of America. So, Josh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Let's get to some political tea. Shall we? Okay, I got a lot to say. You got a lot to say. Where do you want to start? Oh, God. Well, um, what are you wanting to talk about? I want to talk about January 6th committee. I want to talk about the Uvalde leaked footage. I want to also talk about Jennifer, uh, not Jennifer, <laughs> Senator Josh Hawley. Let's start with yours and then that's what, the wait, 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 wait. what do you want to talk about? Huh? What do you want to talk about? Oh, oh, what I was wanting to talk about is, you know, the recent movements with the Supreme Court, including Joe Biden claiming that they have found a federal loophole to the whole abortion ban. Um, and then also the Supreme Court's attack on tribal sovereignty. Um, essentially, we're just like, screw the indigenous people. They, they're not their own governments. And we went in and made our own choices where it was none of our business. Mm. Um and there was something else. Um, oh, in the recent shooting that we had of a young black man. Oh my God. I literally posted about that on my Instagram. I it's so much has been happening. I literally forgot about that. Okay. Oh my God. We got so much to discuss. This is going to be an hour long podcast. Okay. Yes, it is. Let's start with the Supreme Court. So that's kind of where we left off at. Let's just start with that. So Mm-hmm. You said that he found a federal, they found a federal loophole. I know that he signed an executive order recently to expand or, quote, protect abortion access in America. Is mm-hmm. that what you're talking about? Are you talking about something else? Um, I think they're related. Okay. There is, um, let me look it up. There is technically a legal a legal move that was made in the 70s or 80s that protected the, um, how do they word it? Let me look. It's like protecting the stability and it's like stability and safety of pregnancies and it included abortions. Let's see. Maybe, no, that's not it. Let's see. Um, Abortion. Joe Biden. Um, okay, well, while you look for that, I will read, and this is coming literally from whitehouse.gov, the executive order that um, is called uh, Executive Order Protecting Access to Reproductive Health Care Services. This executive order builds on the actions his Biden administration has already taken to defend reproductive rights by one, Safeguarding access to reproductive health care services, including abortion and contraception, two, protecting the privacy of patients and their access to accurate information, three, promoting the safety and security of patients, providers, and clinics, and four, coordinating the implementation of federal efforts to protect reproductive and access to health care. Um, and I know that they are trying to go through the Department of um, I think maybe health, health and human services, and maybe I think they said Department of Justice, they're trying to see what they can do to kind of see this as like an injustice. So they're going to, um, go ahead. Oh, so I found it. So following President Biden's executive order to protect access to reproductive health care, the HHS announces guidance that clarifies that the emergency medical care mm-hmm. that's protected in the federal law includes abortion services. So that's how the two were connected. Okay. 
So we already had law in the books that technically protected abortions, but this with this fed, uh, federal executive with this executive order, it would clarify and solidify the protection. How would it clarify and solidify? Um, because I think one could interpret initially um, that the original law protects women and people to have right to emergency care, including abortion care. But I think it's, I think it could be interpreted specifically for like life endangerment, which could niche it. So I think the executive order is supposed to broaden it. I guess one thing that I've seen people on Twitter do that they should. Ah, here we go. Under federal law, providers in emergency situations are required to provide stabilizing care to someone with an emergency medical condition, including abortion care if necessary, regardless of the state where they live. So, yeah, I think the original law in the books protects medical emergency care. So, at the very least, partial reproductive rights are there, <laughs> but we need the full reproductive rights. Mm-hmm. I know some people on Twitter are calling for like us to put abortion clinics on quote federal land um that like is you know land by like the federal government uh where they do eminent domain and the government ends up owning that land well it's federal land already is it oh yeah because it's funded by the government isn't it like they're like there, like I don't, I don't know the specifics of it. I just know the people on Twitter are asking him to do that. Um, you know, it. We're still talking about the filibuster, which he said he is now for getting rid of. But honestly, like they're saying, we don't have the votes to do anything in our Congress. They that, like that's what they keep saying. Say we don't have the votes, and like the the executive order that he signed, like it's like okay. But at the same time, he ended up literally just pretty much still with his same attitude of all you can do is vote. Like, you have to be able to, like, like yes, we are, I understand that we need to vote in our local elections so that we can, you know, if it, if it does come down to it being states' rights, yes, our state and local elections are very important. I, that is not what these people are talking about. These, from what I've been saying, they've been talking about federal elections like we need to elect like you know like congress people mm-hmm. to be able to get rid of the filibuster and codify roe v wade my issue is that like i know joe biden wants to be a hands-off president but he needs to go in that democratic party he needs to literally like kristen cinema and joe manchin they or they need to just be ousted from the Democratic Party. And the fact that Joe Biden, there is leaked information alleging that Joe Biden is about to nominate or nominate or appoint a federal judge who is anti-choice. Are you serious? It's just insane. So I mean, he's technically always been anti-choice until recent history. Like it's it's kind of sickening because yes, voting is important, but at this point, we're we're conservatives are staging a a large scale a coup on the government. Another and, one, but like <laughs> another one. Yes, it's a large, but it's more complex this time. Where it's like they're attack, they're breaching. I don't know, Josh, because according to. We'll, we'll get to the, we'll get to that when you said coup and it being a better stage it we I got something else to say about that because I'm the January 6th but conti- I, I know we are also still having a conversation about expanding slash packing the court I want everybody to know that I am pro expanding the court right now we got six justices that are conservative and we got three that are liberal and one of them ain't even that damn liberal like only right now the people who I trust in this court is Sonia Suttonmeyer and Katanji Brown Jackson. So, and that's very, it, it, the fact that we're having to talk about Democrats and Republicans in the Supreme Court is the most disturbing part of this all. And and on top of it, like uh, it, it's it's overwhelming because our own state, like 
they talk about, you know, go vote. But like, are we going to talk about that our right to voting is being attacked too? No, we're not going to because they don't want to address that. They don't, like literally we have been, I, I know there are Black organizers who have been talking about that our voting rights have been stripped ever since the Supreme Court case, Shelby v. Holder, which, <coughs> Shelby County, like, our voting rights have been being stripped every moment, every second, and we're not paying enough. Like, you, y'all cannot keep putting this message out here. It's telling me we got to go vote, 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 but y'all ain't going to address, address voter suppression head on and pass legislation. Voting is a weak-ass tool. When the people we are fighting are in charge, they control the game. Voting is just a part of the game. Well, you know, they're real people. The Supreme what can we do to stop them from manipulating this uh, social? It's like the voting doesn't mean shit when they're manipulating the game where what we have to say doesn't mean anything. Where, where's, a, where's our riot plans? When are we going to take to the actual streets and not just hold fucking picket signs, but hold like actually hold our government accountable? Like a true protest is not going to be completely peaceful. And when it's your government that we're protesting against, it, it's going to have to get a little radical because they can just ignore it. They have the power to. What are we going to do? Lord. I guess, but we're going to have to keep going through the topics. But I'm like, I mean, okay. all of this. Well, like, I guess I'm the last. Like all through this, we're, we're, you're going to feel frustrated because like how this is going to feel bombarding, that is exactly what is happening to us. We're being bombarded. Well, I think the most important thing to even acknowledge about this that like nobody's really giving a lot of attention to, I've seen it on TikTok. I ain't seen a single fucking Democrat talk about this shit, but you know how the Supreme Court right now is in recess and just, they have already chosen what cases they're going to take in the fall. And one of those cases is um uh, what is it called it's a it's a case involving it says this is from usa today case out of north carolina is whether rules for federal elections set by state legislatures can be reviewed by state courts so yes that's exactly what i was talking about depending on how they rule this could dramatically change the like way we even like have elections because let's just hypothetically Hypothetically, had this court case been pre-2020 and they ruled uh, in favor of the right-leaning opinion of this, these states who said that there was massive voter fraud could have said, actually, there is voter fraud and Donald Trump did win this state. And Donald Trump, this, like, this is bordering dictatorship at this point. It is. It is. That's what's scary is that there is there will be no checks and balances to prove what that's what the state government leads are saying is true because they're not going to be following the inter- they're not going to be following the, the direct statement of voters but through their own interpretation and preference of what the voters say messed up all right let's get to our next topic oh this is scary what's next what what, what should we talk about <laughs> what should we talk about next we're 15 minutes in and it's already scary Okay. Um, <laughs> let's talk about Uvalde. Yes. There was a news, a news site, a, a news site that leaked surveillance footage of the shooting. A lot of the families in Uvalde have already come out and expressed how they were very upset by this because it was a surprise attack for them. So we knew that they, that the police, the investigation, prosecution, whoever, that this footage was going to be leaked. I think not leaked. Sorry, was going to be made available um, uh, this week sometime. I think, but this news station, this newspaper site, I don't even know who who it um, <clears throat> who it's from. I'm trying to find the source right now. Oh, Austin American Statements newspaper. Um, they decided to to leak the shoot the the video and what's in the video we can talk about like how this obviously affected the parents and the families and then like now that it's like possibly circulating on social media and that we're helping produce more trauma porn but what's in this video is so fucking disturbing 
like we already knew that the <clears throat> we you and I both already know the police take shit anyway. They don't do shit anyway. And we knew at all of what was happening, what they when they they were standing outside, they didn't go inside, they were stopping parents from going inside, getting their children. We knew that they like we knew there was already a bunch of fucking red flags and them being cowardly. But what we saw inside, I didn't I did not watch the video because I don't watch the video. They took out apparently they took out the screens from the children who were killed, but they left in the like you could still hear their shooting. And what you saw were police officers leaning against the lock, the hall, the, the uh, walls, uh, playing on their phones. They were Are like, you serious? Sanitizer, cleaning their hands, literally doing any and everything that you can possibly think of, except, um, okay, this, okay, this is what CNN said. After more than an hour, okay, no, let me, let me read. This video published by Austin American Statements Newspaper Tuesday, in a decision that enraged families of victims who have yet to see the footage themselves, shows responding officers approaching the door of the classroom within minutes of the shooter in- entering, yet retreating after the gunman opened fire at them. After more than an hour, with the hallway growing more crowded with officers from different agencies, the doorway of the classroom was breached by law enforcement and the gun and the gunman shot and killed. Um, uh, This is insane. So you're telling me they they literally sat there and watched these children die. Over an hour, it says. They've been over an hour before they confronted and the gunman. I, I couldn't, even if I was scared and I, I was trained, I would be running in there and doing something. Children are not... They, it is never, ever in this modern society reasonable to make children, um, what's that word? Not just uh, casualties. Like, there, there, there's no reason for it mm-hmm. at all. How many police officers were there? Um, I have no idea. Oh, okay. I'm on the actual news website, and this is a quote from them. Um, a 77-minute 77 video recording captured from the vantage point, along with body cam footage from the responding officers obtained, um, show excruciating de- detail dozens of dozens, dozens of sworn officers, local, state, and federal, heavily armed, clad in body armor with helmets, some with protective shields, walking back and forth in the hallway, some leaving the camera frame and then reappearing, others training their weapons towards the classroom, talking, making cell phone calls, sending texts, looking at floor plans and do everything except entering the classrooms. Absolutely insane. Even after hearing at least four additional shots from the classrooms, 45 minutes after police arrived on the scene, the officers waited. So again, no, I, I want There's a whole bunch of good guys with guns doing nothing. Oh, 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 right, right, right. Because not only are they just random good guys with guns, they're the, they're the, they're, they're the police who protect and serve us. I'm going to say this, and we gonna, I'm going to bring this up again when we talk about that Black child who was shot, not shot, sorry, who was killed from uh, police incompetence, is that y'all keep saying that the police is here to protect and serve us, and I'm failing to see where. Where are they doing that? I'm going, I'm thinking back to the Brooklyn shooter and them not doing anything to stop it. I'm confused. Where where is the police doing anything of this protecting and serving besides property and whiteness? Because I I don't see it. All I see is gross negligence and incompetence. I don't see them protecting. I don't see them serving anybody. So please, I want somebody, please, and like maybe I'm not saying something, but I know I'm correct and I know y'all are wrong, but show me where. Show me where they're protecting and serving because I don't see it. We really be wasting so much of our budget on on people that will just sit there and watch you die. Yeah. It's just it's just insane, Aaron. It's insane. It's insane that we just let it happen. Well, the person who was killed um, by police, it happened in um, 
oh God, I don't even, I don't even remember his name. I was um, trying to remember it too. Did you say it was a child? 14 or 15 years old. Is it Jalen Walker? Yes, I think it is. I just saw a post on Facebook. Um, it's showing a picture of all the places where they shot this child. 60 bullets from oh, head wait. to bottom torso. Oh, Josh, I'm talking about somebody else. Oh. I forgot about Jalen Walker. I was talking about Brett Rosenow. It's so sad that there's been so many. Okay, okay, let's okay, let's talk about Jalen first and then we'll talk about Brett. Oh my god, I literally I I can't like there's been two. The the second one was not killed by um gunfire, but it so I'll I'll, I'll explain the Brett situation. But yeah, let's talk about Jalen Walker. Yes, I remember Jalen Walker. There Oh my God. It's like you can go to his dad's TikTok and see where the child was playing with his dad. So what so what the 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 story is what what happened is this, y'all. So Jalen Walker was they were in a car, they were driving. They I think they were put, they were put over for a traffic violation. I don't remember what the traffic violation was. And the police claim that he shot at them, um, which is interesting, even though we don't have any actual footage of that. Uh, but that's what they claim happened. And then Jalen took off running. Um, and they ran after him. And then... Um, they shot him because he, quote, resisted arrest. And um, they shot over, like, 90 rounds, but he had, like, 60 bullet wounds, I think. Um, and then they handcuffed his dead body. Yes, that was that's the one I was thinking of. Did you know he was only 25? I did. He was a 25-year-old DoorDash driver. It is literally like us getting shot down. It really is. Um, it's horrible. So, is anything changing about like, like what, like what, like what, what is there to do, Josh? I feel like everything is hitting us all at once, and like I am a very big like. I know, like, a lot of people are. I'm trying to. I'm not. I, prioritize is not the best word, but like. This issue affects me so personally, but we it's have... Hard to it's hard to tell which issue... I'm having trouble micromanaging and compartmentalizing, like, January 6th, um, another insurrection, uh, Roe v. Wade, uh, police brutality, uh, COVID, and just so many things happening at once, and... I feel it feels on purpose. It's it's insane. So we it's like I said, we're being bombarded. And it feels intentional. Cause not on top of on top of these two black individuals dying, there was another mass shooting. There was um but it was strange. Mass that the mass shooting. shooting yeah, on in, uh, in, on the 4th of July. Oh my God, I forgot. I Okay, Josh, I accidentally saw the video of that because I was on Twitter and I didn't know that's that what it's... Y'all, America needs to stop. We got to chill. This is too much. The fact that it so was, much tragedy has happened that I literally can't even keep up with this shit. I remember seeing that video and I'm so pissed because I try not to watch any of these like traumatic videos, but I saw it and I thought it was like just like a regular parade. Didn't read the description, and then I see, I hear the fireworks go off and gunshots, and people are run. I literally see mothers picking up their strollers and running with them. I'm this insane, and you know what? This gun issue. Joe Biden recently had a press conference. You see that video where he was having a press conference, and 
a, a parent from the Parkland shooting interrupted him, came there and said, you need to do more. He said this because Biden passed some kind of bill that, oh, he talked about how they were celebrating the bill that recently passed in Congress, a bipartisan bill that pretty much like, I think like raised the like uh, age and then like provided more funding to like mental health, which didn't do, and you know, what everyone was asking for was ban AR-15s. That's what we need to do. And so he said, he said, you would, and, what, and it's a good idea what he said, and I believe they should do this. He said that they need to, they need to declare some kind of full-time directorship position in the White House. There needs to be a director to address this, just like we did with COVID. Because at this point, mass shootings in America, it is an epidemic. Like we need a whole office, an executive office in the White House that is like that is solely strictly dedicated, dealing, strictly dealing with this one specific issue. Put it on the Department of Homeland Security. I don't care, but they need to have somebody dealing with this. It's in, it's insane, Aaron. This all this has all happened in a month hasn't even passed, or a month has passed. Like it was like the beginning of June, straight down. I know. So this is about like the longest summer because of all the issues that keep happening. I don't even know how to respond. And then the second person that was killed, I was talking about the 15 year old. Um, His name is Brett. And um, the police in Albuquerque. They they were pursuing a um, a twenty seven year old man who they um, were like after and of course I guess I guess he just picked a random house to have like a gunfire standoff in and the police threw in um, uh, tear gas canisters into the house and it set the house on fire and the 15-year-old died of smoke inhalation and also was burned alive. Oh, my God. And the person who they were after, they were after him for, like, drug possession and, like, car theft. So, a 15-year-old... Like, was, that, was that issue really so important that we're putting an entire neighborhood in danger? That we put a child in danger? You know... I was talking to someone about this today about like abolition and the fact that like drugs aside, like drug is not a there's not a problem that police need to respond to. But then stuff like like petty theft, like things that things that can be replaced. Like if we had an actual, you know, abolitionist society that was like anti-capitalist, if your car was like stolen, like that's not your fault. Like the government should be willing to help its its people to like you know okay your car is stolen you need that to get to work or if we're if we're trying to be pro capitalist you need to get to work so you need to have a car here's another car like it's not something that someone like having our car stolen is not worth someone dying like an innocent person is not worth dying even the person who did it I don't think someone should be shot and killed because they stole a car no like, had drugs why are we shooting over a car. Exactly. This is all right. Ooh. Let's move to our next topic. <laughs> let's move to our next topic, which is uh let's talk about the sovereignty from the Supreme Court, the case that involved indigenous sovereignty. Yes. So so essentially what's going on with the indigenous land stuff is um there was a a situation including a child on the um, indigenous zone land, whatever, um, a native child who was sexually assaulted by a non-native. And supposedly, um, the whoever was over that part of the tribe, they were not seeking justice or they weren't following through with the issue. And so the person, I guess their parents or guardian, someone involved in the case took the issue to the federal government and state government. And so with the recent Supreme, I think it was a Supreme Court ruling, um, they overbreached the sovereignty of the indigenous land, uh, 
the sovereignty of the indigenous, indigenous people and their sovereignty to uphold their own laws and in their own jurisdiction deal with any crimes, we overtook, we overstepped and said the United States has claim and like involvement in indigenous cases. And what this does, even though, yes, this is a tragic issue, it's an issue that needed to be resolved, on the grand scale of what this choice does is kind of strip the sovereignty to indigenous people to ha- be their own government and be their own nation and be their own people. It's, it's a, another attempt to erode away the, the validity and um, credibility of the, um, of the Native people here. And essentially just, it's, it's like a subversive way to further colonize indigenous people and minimize their rights as a people. Um, what also makes this incredibly large is the fact that within recent years, the, U, um, the UN had already established that indigenous people of every country involved with the UN has claim and rights as their own sovereign people and their own sovereign nations. So like this breach is one, a breach of an agreement between two nations here in the U.S., but also greater is completely like a human's rights being like um, impeded on again. Did all that, did it, did that all make sense? Aaron? Yeah. I mean, it makes sense to me. Like this kind of all started with that 2019 ruling. It, it all started with that 2019 ruling um, that when, when the court had ruled that way in 2019, that like mm-hmm. the federal government could uh, prosecute non-native people who had committed uh, crimes on indigenous land. According to NPR, there was a 400 increase in federal prosecutions from 2020 to 2021, but a lot of those people who were prosecuted were either not held accountable or they received lighter sentences and plea deals. And so that's why the Oklahoma, Oklahoma governor and attorney general, they asked the Supreme Court to um, reverse their decision, hoping that um, there would be more, more um, uh, sovereignty to indigenous tribes to prosecute those crimes on their land. But of course, because we have a conservative court, they not only they not only refused to overturn that decision, but then, like you said, they made it even more. Uh, they lost even more sovereignty because they said not only can the federal government you know, prosecute, but also the state government can prosecute as well. So, um, which at that point, when things ever get down to the state level, it's kind of like screw these, uh, screw, screw new minority. Exactly. Because it's always going to vote in the will of the majority. It, it definitely is a, a, an extension of our form of like settler colonialism. Like they came in here. They committed an act of genocide. They took land. They continue to take more land and take more land. They pat themselves on the back for like making them be established as like, quote, Indian tribes and quote, you have sovereignty to do this. But like at the end of the day, like it's all a dog and pony show because like, I mean, like, I guess to some extent we could probably like maybe be okay with like the federal government, depending on who's in office to like be like, pro-indigenous people but Mm -hmm. i mean now that like you have both either state and government coming in trying to tell these people what to do it's just like a mess it's it is it's hot fucking mess um again guys like they're attacking us they're attacking minorities they're attacking they're attacking us in so many different fronts lessening and lessening because i mean if you think about the grand scheme what does it mean when all of the indigenous tribes here no longer have like their own full sovereignty like and things start to go to shit it's almost like a plot to like make sure that land and those people are claimable once things go to shit Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so what what else terrible news do we have to cover okay so what else did I say I wanted to talk about? Um, so I'm going to find the clip later because that's going to be the last one that we talk about. 
But let's talk about the January 6th committee. Yes. What's going on with that? Girl. I, I just so, been avoiding. So I ended up editing out everything that we talked about in the first episode of this, like kind of like nonchalant us talking because mm-hmm. like, it was like an hour and a half. And we we ended on a really good, like we ended on a really good note after we talked about SCOTUS where we were talking about like community building. And I felt like that was a better way to end that first episode. So everything that I had talked about in that first time that we talked about the Supreme Court, not Supreme Court, the January 6th committee, gone, <laughs> gone. So <laughs> yeah. now we have to start from the very beginning, which I'm going to very briefly say, I'll, I'm, t- I'm going to try and hit the highlights. So everyone knows that we had an insurrection in Jan- on January 6th, 2021. That was literally our, the week of our first episode of Black Root Ever. That was our first topic we ever talked about. So mm-hmm. we knew that they, Nancy Pelosi tried to, she, she, as House Speaker said, I'm going to create a House Select Committee and we are, or maybe it was a special committee and not a select committee. I don't know which one the language for, but they made a committee to deal with this issue of like investigating the insurrection because it was an insurrection. It was literally trying to take away our democracy. So she asked uh, Mitch McConnell, um, you know, why well, need some Republicans in addition to Liz Cheney? Because Liz Cheney has been like the top the Republican right now to kind of like lead this charge about the insurrection. Um, she probably will not win her reelection. I will say that. Uh, which, oh, sir. which is scary because if you've seen the video of the people who she's running against, terrifying. They are worse than Marjorie Taylor Greene, in my opinion. So, um, oh my so Mitch McConnell, wait, no, sorry, it wasn't Mitch McConnell. He's the Senate. I meant Kevin McCarthy, the House minority leader. Kevin McCarthy mm-hmm. he gave her a list of all these people. And they're supposed to say, hell no, nah, I ain't taking that. Give me a different list. Because he had on this list people who he knew was going to be pro-Trump. People that we knew were at the insurrection edging it on. So Nancy said, give me another list of more Republicans. Kevin McCarthy said, bump that. You ain't getting shit from me. So he didn't provide any Republicans. Liz Cheney, I think there was maybe one other Republican. But I'm pretty sure it's just Liz Cheney. But there might be two Republicans who are actually on this committee. Now, the reason why Kevin McCarthy was so like, blah, 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 I don't give a fuck, was because he didn't think they had the evidence. He didn't think they was going to have no evidence. But as we have seen, the evidence that they have gotten mm-hmm. is all, all dropping. They have people coming in from different witnesses who have like alleged, like, 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 like these are previous like White House officials who are saying like, like today, not today, but maybe this week, they realized that like in December, in December, 1819, Donald Trump was at these meetings. People were telling him like, he was telling people like, come to January, we're gonna do this. He was meeting with alt-right extremists. We knew that another person testified, a witness testified saying that he tried to literally harm, physically harm one of his social security, not social security, one of his secret service agents to get to the Capitol to help you know, start the insurrection. We have evidence of him witness tampering, which is a felony. That is a federal crime. And mm-hmm. they have even more evidence coming out about his ties and what they have to do as prosecutors. Well, this is, this is the whole deal. This is what they're trying to do. This committee is trying to build enough evidence as, uh, as the prosecution to hand it over to the Department of Justice to prove that they have to prove intent. That he had that he had intention to start an insurrection before they can give him like criminal charges. They're just trying to gather evidence, and baby, that evidence, Donald, you going down? You are going down because this shit. Every time they they get something new, I'm just like, how? Where are y'all getting this from? And and then what what I sent I think in the group chat was former national security advisor. He admitted on CNN, on TV, former national security advisor to the president. He, they were talking, he was being interviewed or talking to Jake Tapper on CNN. And he said, you know, like, oh, you know, like I have been involved in coups before, not in America, but in other countries. So I know how they're planning to take down a government. In other countries. Yes. 
<laughs> oh my god this thing is so much larger um and then admits like yeah this shit's happening here whoa this is like this is bad like i i was very skeptical at first but like the fact that all of these like white house officials junior and sometimes even senior are coming out at this point because they know that like nothing like everything they don't they they can't hide anything else they they even got steve bannon to fucking like at this point the department Department of justice is like this is the criminal charge if you deny the subpoena you have to come and testify steve bannon is coming and testify if i don't know if they're gonna get donald trump to come in to testify or not but like at this point nobody is safe nobody Um, they have too much evidence it's too much i feel i feel like what's happening here and why there's so much evidence is that within the white house there were all that donald trump was creating his own enemies in there and like a sector of his own people didn't the coup to him Mm -hmm. i i really hope they're able to do something with us I mean, what they're hoping is... Watch the cultural movement he started, but at least he'll get him out of the, you know, situation. Well, I'm wondering what, what the end result will be, because, like, I mean, if, if he has criminal charges, right, like, then he can't run for office. Like, he won't be able to become president, which is the ultimate, like, I think that's the end game for all of this, because we don't want him to be in mm-hmm. power anymore. But he has already started and facilitated, and it's, he's out here. He out here at rallies now. We was just talking about a rally with that white bitch saying that Roe v. Wade was a victory for white life. Like he is out here still doing his thing. So even if he isn't president anymore, he had a whole fucking social media app that it like made for him because he was banned up for Twitter. And it's at this point he's still spreading misinformation and still doing his thing of igniting white supremacy you know, uh, coaching the Proud Boys, the Oath Keepers, it's still happening. And even if he, like, if he if, if he were to face criminal charges, had to go to jail, that is not going to stop the Trump supporters from going out and doing what they did before. He's already started a movement in a cult. We have people in our Congress who said they literally joined Congress because of him, so. Oh, my God. All right, Josh. What was the other thing that you wanted to talk about? I don't even remember anymore. Okay. I'm going to find this last clip for us to talk about, and I'm going to play this clip because I think it's a very important clip. Okay, everyone. So we know that um, we know that uh, we're dealing with like abortion right now. And so um, I don't know what this hearing was from, um, but there was a law professor from University of California, Berkeley, named Kiara Bridges, and she was being questioned by Senator Josh Hawley, Hawley a Republican, also pro-erection, girl, I almost said pro-erection, pro-insurrection, pro-Donald Trump. He was also one of the people who questioned Katanji Brown-Jackson during the uh, confirmation hearing. Um, before I play it, I just want to. I want to see what this was about. Like, what, what were they discussing at this, at this well, hearing? That. Um, like, what was the question? Like, what it was it a hearing about? What? Um, I think it was a hearing about abortion or something. But I don't know to like what extent what they were like trying to figure out an abortion. Oh, it was a Senate hearing on abortion access. So I don't know. It was maybe they just just I don't know. But anyway, I'm gonna play the clip that has gone viral. Uh, yeah, so here we go. You referred to people with a capacity for pregnancy. Would that be women? Many women, cis women have the capacity for pregnancy. Many cis women do not have the capacity for pregnancy. Um, There are also trans men who are capable of pregnancy as well as non-binary people who are capable of pregnancy. So this isn't really a women's rights issue. It's a- We can recognize that this impacts women while also recognizing that it impacts other groups. Those things are not mutually exclusive, Senator Hawley. Oh, so your view is is that the core of this, this right then is about what? So um, I want to recognize that your line of questioning um, is transphobic, um, and it opens up trans people to violence. 
so that that was her. So to give y'all some credentials that Josh Holly ain't got, um, she is an American law professor and an anthropologist specializing in intersectionality of race, reproductive justice, and law. And she is also the author of the book called Reproducing Race, an ethnography of pregnancy as a site of racialization, which she argues that race and class largely affect the prenatal, childbirth, and postnatal experiences of women. Um, she got a bachelor's, a JD, and a PhD. Okay. Oh, so um that you know, she this this I I don't know what is happening to our country in terms of like trans like violence, but it has escalated to an extent that I did not even see coming because you know, like four, it's a witch hunt at four this point. years ago, it was like, you know, like, oh, they're trans. Oh, okay, like to stay out the bathroom. At this point, these are people literally like openly, blatantly, explicitly trying to commit trans violence. And I don't understand it. Like we have over 300 pieces of anti-trans legislation. They're gonna, we're gonna be denied healthcare. We're not gonna be protected by the police. And now we have, and you know, as a, as a rhetorician, I'm getting my PhD, discourse influences policy. So the, he, he, he was strategic about what he was saying. Like he, he knew what he was trying to do. Mm-hmm. You know, he tried to play her, but she wasn't having it. Cause he, what he was trying to do was, okay, one, let me invalidate trans people. Two, let me, let me signify that if you're saying making it pregnant, which they, he says, quote, they can't, then you're saying it's not a women's right issue. So this is not, this is not a, you know, oppression. Mm-hmm. Like he was, he was really trying to play her, but Sister Sam, no, man. So how do you how do you feel, Josh, about what? what now that I know the context, I'm like, sis, rip him a new one. What? Um, they, I mean, because you could hear it with the line of his questioning, and I was like, you're really trying to invalidate this entire situation. Stop. It's um, mm, mm, it's scary. It's scary out here especially for our trans folks. The fact that this scenario is occurring, um, that y'all's rights have appeared in so many, so much legislation within just the big, from the, just for the summer. It's insane. And I think like what, like the issue is like, like this is a, this is a hearing about Roe v. Wade, right? About this issue. And like, Yes, we can definitely have conversations about like inclusive language inside the reproductive justice and rights movement. If we want to do that, we can do that. But like, he is not trying to facilitate no question, but he was not asking like, oh, um, like, oh, are we trying to be more inclusive? Like, why are we, why is that your issue? That like, out of this whole, out of the whole Roe v. Wade situation, people literally probably dying from like abortion, not having access to abortions, the literally criminalization and like, in prison of people who get pregnant, you want to ask, so what do you mean by capacity for people who can get pregnant? You mean women, right? Nah, she said what she said, nigga. I mean, for me, it's like, no, people who can get pregnant. Like, now, like, back to the main topic. What's not cooking? <sighs> all right, Josh. Well, I think that's all the topics that we talked about. Even if not, we're approaching the one-hour mark. Uh- <laughs> Oh my God, the way we literally just flew through all of those highly depressing topics. You know, I was talking to um, Lance and I was telling them how I felt like these past recent episodes, is, I might even say all of season two of Black Brew has had a different kind of energy and vibe to it. And it does not feel as like fun and energetic and spontaneous as like it did in season one. And maybe that's because we haven't had really good like you know, second part lifestyle topics where we joke around a lot. But I mean, look at our country right now, like who would blame us? But how how, how do you feel so far about season two of Black Brew? It's ungodly serious. (laughs) But it's not on any ill on our part. We're just literally witnessing our country fall apart. Yeah. 
like I, I keep saying, guys, it's insane. <laughs> um, maybe hopefully in the next couple months, which damn months, <laughs> baby. I don't. I'm not going to be optimistic about this. Okay, well, um, as you can all hear, Josh is doing something because he's making all that damn noise. That means it's time for us to go. So, uh, yeah, let us know what you want us to talk about if we ever decide to go, when we decide to go back to regular topics because, um, you know, as much as we need to practice resistance, and these hard times, we also need to we need to practice joy as well. And so we need things to be able to, uh, you know, smile about self care and smile um, as at the same time as being aware of these like problematic issues in our society. So, you know what's problematic that I just thought? What? We need to enjoy life while we can. Woo, honey. Woo. Okay. Is this life? Is this? Is this I want a refund. <laughs> I think you do. <laughs> this is living. Not, I don't want it. I did not vote to go into like the social revolution. Like, I, I, I would. I like to have been born a little bit more towards the utopia side of society. Well, why do you think we were born during this time? You think there was a reason? Do you think there was some cosmic reason why? Um, I probably did something very shitty in my past life. Okay, well, before we end, um, I I remember you talked about like when are we gonna have when are we gonna take to the streets and talk about like revolution? Okay, y'all, I'm back on Facebook, but don't don't even interact with me, please, because I don't like y'all. So, but what you can do is go to my page and I share something on July 9th from the Prism Report. They are like a kind of like a collective of people talking about police and prisons and state violence and stuff like that. I shared an article called The Violence We're Used To, which you know what that is, and The Violence We Need, because we apparently are, we're not going to get nowhere with respectability. So if you want to, if you want to read about the kind of like things that we need to do to like, that's different than just like voting and like marching. Check that out. And we can talk about that next time, I guess. Mm -hmm. All right, everyone. We'll see you next time. Goodbye. Bye.